So we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. It started in the beginning of the year, and we're slowly but surely getting through this amazing subject. It's like trying to drink an ocean. It's so big and so wide. But you, how you drink an ocean? One sip at a time. And so we're going to continue on this journey for a while longer and, um, and see where it takes us in God. Uh, we started in January speaking out of John 15 about abiding in the vine, Jesus the vine. The vine. You know, he talks about bearing good fruit, abiding in the vine, and we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, last week, Mark and Jean, Dina did an amazing job. Don't you think so if you were here? They told this story uh, from the time they got saved till, till now and the journey with the Holy Spirit and the increased revelation they have. And it was, was wonderful to hear. We weren't here in the morning. We had, had a wedding uh, out of town the night before, but we were do- certainly here in the evening and it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, I just want to really thank Mark and Dina. They've been such amazing people for this church, so committed, so very pastoral. Mark is a diligent teacher. He knows the Word, and he runs our Bible school. And the two things we love more than anything else, and I say that outside of Jesus, is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You get some churches that are Word churches, and some churches are Spirit churches. And, um, you know, you can't have the one without the other. We need both, and Mark used that analogy we've heard a few times. Uh, if you were flying and the pilot said, uh, one of the ring- wings have to go, choose one, which one would you choose? Hopefully none. <laughs> You'd want them both. And that's very much like um, the, the Spirit. The, the Word of God, to many, is just a historical book, and even to some theologians, it's just a dry historical book, but the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit moves from Logos, the written Word, into Rhema, the Spirit-inspired Word, and, um, and it brings life to us. So we're going to continue this journey, and we're going to focus today on the indwelling Spirit of God, what it means to be born again, what it means to be born from above. Uh, Jesus clearly states in John 3 that the only way we can enter the kingdom is to be born again. More than likely, and more than likely, one of the greatest lies that Satan has imposed on the human race is that you can save yourself through religion. The belief that if we obey the beliefs and practices of religion and do our best to be good, we can somehow earn our salvation. Paul deals with this in the entire book of Galatians, an amazing book where he starts, he speaks of this church that started in power, new birth, um, the power of the Holy Spirit, and then started adding stuff to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, it so upset him and so impacted his life that in chapter 3, In absolute exasperation, he writes this, You foolish Galatians. Now, I will never say you foolish Oceansidians, (laughs) because I want you to come back. (laughs) 
He uses some powerful language. Who has bewitched you? You've come under demonic religious teaching. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, by rules and ritual, in other words, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, you are now trying to obtain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it is really was for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And that's the basis of religion. Laws, ritual, and legalism... And it brings bondage. See, this belief that we can save ourselves if we try hard enough is the basis of all false religion. And the problem with that is because even though we try and be good and observe the law, we are never good enough. We never feel good enough, no matter how hard we try. And that's what the Bible calls condemnation. We feel condemned. We feel like in a rat race. We try our hardest. We come to church. We worship. Uh, Other people in other religions are sincerely seeking God. You see, the problem with this is not only true of other religions, but unfortunately over the, the centuries, this teaching and belief has crept into various forms of Christianity and has turned a personal relationship with Jesus Christ into a religious ritual. The belief that by being religious we can be saved is a life from the pit of hell. But these two things are true. And if we understand this, we'll start seeking in the right places. That it is impossible for us to save ourselves, no matter how hard we try. So stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to be a good person. We'll see that in Christ, those things happen in our lives. That's the first thing. It's impossible for us to save ourselves. And the second is that self-righteous people are often the most hardest people to reach with the gospel. And this is what we mean by self-righteousness. A person who is confident in their own righteousness, based on the idea that they can somehow generate within themselves a righteousness that is acceptable to God. We see this clearly in the gospel between self-righteous people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and people who understood that they could not save themselves. It was the tax collectors, prostitutes, fishermen, normal people who responded and followed Jesus. They understood who they were. But it was the Pharisees and Sadducees who were equally as sinful, but were blinded by their pride and their self-righteousness that rejected Jesus and condemned him to the cross. It gets better. Paul speaks of this. In 1 Corinthians 1, 
22 to 24. He says this, Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God, the wisdom of God, and the wisdom of God. And in John chapter 3, we read an amazing conversation that Jesus has with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He comes to him at night. He had seen some of Jesus' miracles. And he comes to and he has a conversation with him. And in John 3, 1 to 7, we read this account of that meeting. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the ruling council. He was a religious man, and he was a man of stature. He came to Jesus at night. Many will say he did that because he didn't want his friends to know that he was going to go and hang out with Jesus. And he says this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. So I acknowledge that. For no one could perform signs like you are doing if God were not with them. Remember in Corinthians we just read, Jews demand signs. And Greeks look for wisdom. So he was wowed by the fact of the miracles that Jesus was doing. But Jesus doesn't even answer that question and he gets straight to the point of his heart and it actually absolutely throws Nicodemus off guard. He felt, thought maybe Jesus said, yeah, well, you know, Nicodemus, I am quite good. And I can raise the dead and I can heal the sick and, you know, I am a great man. But he sees right through that, through that religious veneer. And he answers him and he replies something that seems so totally random to the conversation Nicodemus wanted to have. And he says, very truly, I I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And I think Nicodemus, in a condescending way, Answers Jesus, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, very truly I tell you, that no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God No matter how many services they do, no matter how religious they are, no matter how much they give uh, give to the poor, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. He draws a line in the sand and he goes on in John chapter 14. He's having dinner with his disciples. He's about to be crucified. And he says this, that I am the way the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, that he is the the gateway to the kingdom, Jesus Christ. And I've said this, and it's helped some people, and forgive me if you've heard it, but I'll say it again. People will say that Christianity is exclusive because Jesus said he's the only way. I want to tell you that it is the most inclusive religion 
in all the world. Because it's open to anyone. Everybody can come. And if that was the only exit to this building today and there was a fire and uh, we were getting out that door, only one door, not all the doors we have, if, if that's Jesus there, and we said, I'm not going to walk through that door because that's exclusive. What's going to happen to you? You're going to burn. Maybe physically and spiritually. Everybody can go through that door. It's a free gift. God says he's so loved. In the same chapter, John 3, 16, he goes on to say that God so loved the world. He loves everybody. Nobody is outside his, his realm of love. And he says that he sent his son to die to save them. That whomsoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Christianity is open to anybody who will believe and receive that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we, if you go back to uh, Easter Sunday, I spoke on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's on our app. It's on our website. Download the app and you can listen to our sermons uh, and so on. And uh, give him proof of the resurrection of Jesus. He proved that he, he was because he rose from the dead. That's why we believe him. Amen? Jesus goes on to say this in there. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. People have a, uh, you know, it's a hard concept sometimes to, to grasp. So I want to put it in terms that may be easier to understand. This is what Jesus was saying to Nick. He's saying this. Your birthright, Nicodemus, as a Jew cannot save you. Just as being born into a Christian home or a so-called Christian nation cannot save you. Your status as a religious Pharisee cannot save you. Just as being a member of a church and maybe even an elder or a deacon cannot save you. Your religion, even though you are a Jew of Jews, cannot save you. Just as Christianity without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ cannot save us. And that is the deception that needs to be broken. Because yes, Jesus is the way, the truth of life. Yes, he is the head of the church according to Ephesians chapter 1. He's the head of the church. And he wants us to be part of it, but there's only one way in. It's in and through Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you as I speak to this, because I know there will be different types of people here. Some that will understand this. Some who have served God and Christianity for their entire lives, but never understood or heard this. So this is not about condemnation. This is about a conviction 
of the Holy Spirit. That unless you're born again, this is more than likely the most important preach, I was thinking of it yesterday, of my life. I've spoken on it before, but speaking on the gateway to the kingdom through Jesus Christ. Because outside of that, a church attendance, it doesn't mean anything. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, no matter what you do, no matter what we do, we can never live up to God's standard of righteousness. Now, here's the definition of biblical righteousness. It means to be completely upright, completely faultless, faultless, and completely innocent, sinless, and guiltless in our own strength. Anybody raise their hand to that one? We cannot. That's why we need Jesus. You see, Paul himself, and we read in Philippians 3, he talks about himself as being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a devoted religious man. He was so offended by Jesus and the cross that he made it his his mandate to kill and persecute Christians. He wanted to wipe it out until he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And that passion that he had for persecuting Christians, he was transformed for serving Jesus Christ with all his heart. God loves persecutors. God loves Islam. Uh, uh, Muslims. He loves every faith and creed. And he wants them to know of his unconditional dying love. You see, Paul would more than likely have been on television as one of the, as an ISIS supporter. But God loved him and saved him. And he understood grace. And that's where, when he writes the book of Galatians, he's so angry that the church is now adding law to grace. And he writes this in in Romans 3.10. Even though I was a Pharisee of Pharisee, he's writing this, and he says in 3.10, there's no one righteous, not even one. No one can live up to the standard of God outside of Jesus Christ. He then writes in Romans chapter 3.21-24. He says, but now... And I put in brackets, because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Our righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is imputed to us when we believe and receive him into our lives. And so when we stand before God, we stand as righteous and holy and dearly loved in his sight because he sees us through Jesus Christ. We could not save ourselves, but Jesus could. 
And we saw this was a stumbling block, and it still is, because people somehow think, that seems too simple. All I have to do is believe in Jesus. All I have to do is give my heart to Him and confess my sin, and we'll, we'll see that, and I can be saved. That seems way too easy. Yes, it's foolishness, Paul goes on in Corinthians, to those who are perishing. It seems foolish. But to us who have been saved, Christ is the power of God unto salvation. He is the way, church. We cannot earn it. Stop trying to earn God's love. Stop trying to earn His mercy. Just receive it by faith through grace. And it starts with being born again, born into the kingdom of God. You see, there's no difference. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified freely by His grace through redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. You see, if it's because our righteousness, we are in a hopeless situation. And when we're trying to earn God's love and earn our salvation, even in the church, it becomes harder and harder and harder, and we get more discouraged, but we do it because we love him. We just don't know that, we, that we're doing it in our own strength and not in him. You see, this is the, the bar. Matthew 5.48, Jesus says this, To be righteous, you, need, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Has anyone here been able to attain that? Of course not. And that's why Jesus came. The only way we can attain God's standard is by acknowledging Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Number one, by confessing our sins to God and asking for forgiveness and then accepting Jesus into our lives. Acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord, confessing our sins, asking for forgiveness, and accepting Jesus into our lives. And when we do this, we are born again. Sounds too good to be good, true. But it is good, and it is true. It is the truth. See, God never wanted Christianity to be a religion. In the greatest sense, it is one of the religions of the world. God always wanted a relationship. He wanted a relationship with you. He wanted us together as his body, as his children, as his friends. He wanted us to worship. He wanted us to give, not because we have to, but because he's given us so much. And we give him a little bit back. That's why it says, don't give under compulsion. Rather, don't do that. He loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to give our lives. Not because if I don't, there's a big stick that's going to hit me on the head. Or if I don't do this and that, um, I, I'm going to lose my salvation. No, he wants us to do it out of relationship. A father who loves us and wants us to love him back. And when we love him, we want to be with him. We want to gather with his family. And we want to give our lives. 
That is relationship. Religion says if you don't do that, this, 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 and this will happen. And how many are tired of religion in that sense? It doesn't work. You see, Paul goes on to write in the book of Romans, and I'm doing a study on it. It's taking longer than I thought because there's so much in there. You can't go through two or three verses without being overwhelmed uh, with what God is saying through Paul in that book. But we will eventually do a series on that and um, as an eldership team. This is what Romans 10, 8, 13 says. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. You never have to doubt that. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone, no matter what you've done, no matter what you did today, this week, last week, it does not matter. Because anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For anyone who calls on the name or everyone will be saved. Isn't that awesome? Can I hear a little amen or something? Doesn't that give you hope? You see in 1 John 1 verse 8 to 9, we read this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us. We have a Son, God's Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for our sin, past present, and future. When he said it is finished, he meant it. And how do I know that your sins in the future have been forgiven? Well, you weren't even born when he forgave you. He forgave you. He knew. But there's a process that we go through of confession and forgiveness. You see, in Hebrews 12, it says that we can come into the no, Hebrews 10 that we can come into the holy of holies through a new and a living way through the body of Jesus Christ and he says when we come um, we our heart our, our conscience our conscience is clear he purifies us and clears our conscience from a guilty conscience you can read it so confession for us is not for God, it's for us. Because when I've done something wrong, and I come to church, and I really feel bad, when people say, let's worship God, I say, I can't, I did this, I did this, and did that. When we say, God, I did this, and I'm truly sorry, I ask you forgive me. 
Your consciousness is cleared and you can enter in. Because you feel free. How many of you ever come to church on a Sunday and say, I just, I don't even know if I should go because of what I've done. Give it to your dad. See, God is doing a process of transformation that is not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we're nearly finished. For our sake, everything God allowed Jesus to go through was for your sake. And I want you to, in your mind, say, for my sake. For my sake. He made him, who had no sin, and who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You may have been in the church your whole life, And this may be the first time that you've ever heard the fact that you need to be born again. You may have never prayed prayed the prayer of repentance and asked Jesus into your life. And I want to say this is that There's no condemnation. But if you have never done that, I'm going to ask you today if you would. Not because I'm asking you, but because of God's mercy, love, and grace for you. And I'm going to ask Mark Manfredi to come forward. And I'm going to ask him to lead us in a prayer of repentance. And if you pray this for the first time, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I'm going to ask you this, that you tell someone. Because there's something about a public declaration. And then I'm going to ask you this, that never, ever doubt your salvation. God is able to keep you. What happens when the Holy Spirit lives in us, and we'll look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit soon, when the indwelling Spirit is in us, He helps us, and He teaches us, and He leads us and guides us. And the moment we try and do anything in the flesh, we fail. But in Christ, we can do all things. In the power of the Spirit, He transforms us from the inside out. And it's a process. We are being transformed. Process of transformation. And you see, what happens the more we fall in love with Jesus and get back to the essence of God, the less we want to displease Him. Because when you love somebody, you want to please Him. It's just a natural 
outpouring. You don't have to, but you want to. It's your heart. You say, I want to do my best. Do you always do your best? No. And just like in an earthly relationship, you come and ask for forgiveness, we just come to our Father and say, Father, I'm trying my best. But I let you down. And he says, my son, my daughter, forgiven. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. The Bible says this, that he separates your sin as far as the east is from the west. And that's not east Canada to west Canada, and that's pretty far. That's east universe to west universe. And he chooses to remember them no more. God is sovereign. He hasn't got a bad memory. But in his sovereignty, he chooses, because of Jesus Christ, to say, gone, finished. And when the enemy comes and says, look what you did, you say, I know, I let my dad down again and again, but I'm forgiven. I'm set free. People say you shouldn't repent and confess your sin. It's not for God. It's for you to cleanse you from that conscience. You're walking around with all this stuff the whole time. Just let it go. Just let it go. And next time and you fall again, God says, I'm there for you. I'm there for you. And then slowly but surely sometimes you just see, I don't want to do that anymore. And people will start seeing a change. But it starts with a love relationship. It's all about that. And so I'm asking us to bow our heads and, and Mark's going to lead us. And if you have prayed this prayer, You are saved, but you're welcome to pray it again. But remember, the the essence of Christianity is God saves us. We don't save ourselves. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, prayer. Stand up, Mark. Prayer is just uh, talking to God. You don't have to use King James English. It's just expressing your heart to God. So if you're hungry to get things right with God this morning, we just want to give you a chance to do that. I'm just going to read a simple prayer out. You can just repeat the words after me if you want. And, yeah, just uh, bow your heads in. It's yeah. a personal thing yeah, between so, you and God for sure. So if you're ready to do that, you can just pray this prayer. Dear God, I admit that I need you. I'm so sorry for the way I've lived my life without you. Please forgive me of my sin and make me clean. Jesus, please come into my life. Take control and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I believe you came to earth I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. And I received your free gift of salvation right now in my life. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Awesome. And uh, if we could have the worship team up, that would be wonderful.
I think everybody's shocked that I've actually finished preaching by now. But I have a few more preachers in this book if you want them. In, in my <laughs> Church, fall in love with Jesus. The more we sin, a gauge of how much, for me, how much I'm in love with Jesus is a gauge of how far I wander away or how close I come. When you're in love, you're going to want to draw closer. And what God loves more than anything is honesty. You don't go to God, God, I praise you, I'm fearfully and wonderingly made, I'm the head and not the tail, and you've done this and you've done that, I'm a mighty warrior in you. Sometimes you've got to say, God, my life sucks. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with relationships. I'm struggling in my own life. Will you fill me? Will you fill me? You go and read David. Read those Psalms. It's amazing in some Psalms he, he, how he starts praising God and then he starts feeling sorry for himself and then he asks God to kill all his enemies in one Psalm. And yet, the Bible says, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. God is after your heart. And it starts with brutal honesty with him. He is more than, I'm fearful, Lord. For my family, I'm fearful for this. You know the word of God says, perfect love casts out all fear. Get that revelation. Give it to him. Say, Father, I'm going to give these burdens to you, Jesus. Your yoke is easy. I'm carrying these rocks in a knapsack. And Ferenc will tell you, and he's going to take a lot of people up Mount Benson soon for the first time. He'll tell you, don't bring a backpack full of rocks and put it on your back. Maybe if you're an Iron Man, you go light. And when we carry this stuff in our backpack, unforgiveness, condemnation, all of that, and when those things are in there, and we're trying to walk this, and it gets bigger, Jesus says, just give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. That issue, that sickness, that child, whatever it is, give it that relationship, that hurt from our past, God is the answer. You will never work your way out of it on your own. But in Christ, you can do all things. So if we can work, focus on Jesus for a little bit and go home. And church, can I encourage you daily to spend some time with, with your dad? Not as a ritual, Oh, okay, I got that right. Did this, that this week. I'm cool. Not as a ritual. And if you miss it, don't beat yourself up. Just come to your dad and say, Dad, today, today's a new day. Today, Lord God, I pray that you help me through these things. I want to worship you. And when you begin to lift your life, eyes or feel circumstance 
you see Jesus high and lifted up. If I had a penny, if my, in the context of the universe, if my issue is the size of a penny, and that is all I'm focusing on, I can focus on that so closely that I can block out the sun. Put those aside. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's fall in love with Him. Let's stop trying to do this ourselves. And you'll see what God will do in and through us. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord.